hear you the whole time, so that was fine. <laughs> Would you please join your hearts together with mine as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning which you have given, where you have gathered us in this place to hear your word as you work by your spirit to point us to Jesus. We pray that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds, open our ears to hear you. Be with us in this time, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of my most favorite moments in my days in the restaurants, and all of you all of a sudden are saying, oh good, another restaurant story from Pastor Matt. One of my favorite days in, from the days of the restaurants was this one beautiful moment. Well, there were several beautiful moments, but at, at many tables there would be this one beautiful moment where somebody in a group uh, had ordered french fries. First off, that's a beautiful moment, but that's not the point I'm getting to. So they would order like a big basket of french fries and everybody at the table would be enjoying fries and dipping in when they want. And then my favorite part came. You'd see three fries left, five people. Somebody's brave enough to grab one. There's two. Somebody else is like, well, there's one more. I'll grab that one. But then the last fry sat there in the basket. And the last fry would sit in the basket almost as long as they had the whole basket the whole time because nobody really wanted to grab the... Everybody really wanted to grab the last one, but nobody wanted to be the one seen grabbing the last one. And so it was this wonderful moment where you just see confusion on people's faces as they were like, I really want the last french fry, but if I take the last french fry, then it's going to show that I don't really care for anybody else and I just really want the last fry. So we try and be very pious about it. Do you want the last fry? No? Are you sure? What about you? Do you want the last? Are you, are you positive? Because I don't really need it. But do you want, no? Okay, I'll, I'll take it, you know. When really all along, you're like, that's mine and I'm going to talk everyone out of it. I just need to talk first. But see, that mindset goes through in a lot of other ways in our lives as well. I <clears> mean, <throat> think through how often there are times in our lives where our words might portray a way in which we want to be seen caring, yet our heart might kind of contradict that a little bit because we really just want to know that we're going to be taken care of or that we can take care of it our own or we can tell somebody else how to take care of us or something along those lines. And that mindset is not all that different than the disciples. I remember where we're at in the Gospel of Mark right now. So Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration they had come down into the chaos of everything going on and the whole crowd gathered around and a dad brought a demon-possessed son up to him and he cast out that spirit. And then they're walking from that place back to Capernaum. So Capernaum was kind of a home base for them. It's where Peter's mother-in-law's house is. It's where they, uh, you can actually go there today and there's this big house they call Peter's house. And it's this big octagon-shaped house. And you can see where the core of the house was and then where walls were built outside of that and walls were built outside of that as they likely had gatherings of people there. And so Capernaum was kind of this home base place for them. So you hear Mark say, okay, as we got into the house or as Jesus and the disciples got into the house, he asked them a question. What were you talking about along the way? Honest question, right? And what came before that? 
As they are walking, Jesus, for the second time in Mark's Gospel now, has very clearly stated what is going to happen to him. He's going to be delivered into the hands of men. They're going to kill him. He is going to die. And three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. It's not much clearer. Now, we looking back can look at that and say, well, it's absolutely clear. It's what happened. This is Jesus telling them before it happens. And you can just imagine the disciples hearing it and going, yeah, I don't get it. But they didn't want to tell him they didn't get it, so they just kind of nodded their heads. And then you can kind of imagine them walking along down the path and saying, all right, uh, Messiah guy said he's going to die, so Peter, are you going to be the new leader? And I'll be your secretary of defense, and uh, how about... Uh, you take treasury, and they start trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the one to set the tone and set the direction, because their leader just said he's going to die. And so though they may not have quite understood that he was coming back, they also then started to think, well, we better take things into our own hands. We better run things in our own hands instead of listening to what he's saying and what he's been teaching and what he's been doing and seeing all of who this Jesus and Messiah is. We're just not going to worry about that so much and now we've got to take things into our own hands and start taking charge of things. We're going to put ourselves first and make sure we're taken care of. Make sure the movement goes on. Make sure everything keeps going. So as they get into the house and Jesus asks them, what were you talking about? They're like, uh... We don't really want to tell you. But he knew. They didn't even have to say it. They were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Who was going to take charge. Who was going to be the one to lead. And though they would do it under words of wanting to care for others and carry on the movement and carry things on and make sure that folks were kind of sort of taken care of, they were just making sure that what they were a part of wasn't going to fall away and what they were a part of was going to keep going. But it wasn't necessarily following Jesus anymore at that point. It was relying on their own wisdom. It was relying on their own knowledge. It was relying on their own understanding. It was relying upon themselves to carry on what they were a part of. To get through every day, they were no longer dependent upon God's word and his presence. But hearing that he was going to be gone, they were then shifting a mindset to be dependent upon themselves. Does that ever sound familiar in your life? Or maybe you've heard God's word. Maybe you've listened to what has, is, comes from Scripture to you know, trust in God to provide for things, but then saying, you know what? I don't necessarily need to absolutely trust in Him to provide things. I'm going to go earn it. I'm going to go work it. I'm going to go build it. I'm going to go do it. And then I will receive the honor from that. I will receive the rewards from that. We kind of naturally, in this corrupted, sinful nature that we have, depend upon ourselves pretty easy. And it's not new. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Trusted a word outside of God's word and then trusted in their own understanding. And it's happened from that time until now, where we continue to push and trust within our own understanding of things. Yet, 
we don't always understand things perfectly, do we? And we find moments in our lives where we are absolutely needy, independent. I mean, which one of you, if you had the opportunity to say, I don't want to die, would be able to take that into your hands and change that fact, that you would not die? We try hard, exercise and diet and medicines and everything else, and those are all good things to take care of and steward what God has given us as our bodies, absolutely. And when we take care of ourselves, we're able to take care of others. Yet, there is a day for each one of us that we will not be able to change whatsoever. We're dependent upon God to do something about that. And we can either ignore His Word about life that He brings, or we can trust that Word. Because Christ came to hand life over Even when he's talking to the disciples, he said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. I'll be with you again. I'll continue this relationship with you again. In fact, I'm going to die to take away your sins, and then I will hand you a life that you have never seen before, because this life will move into eternity, and you will be in the presence of God forever, in his grace and in his mercy, because sins will be washed away, because sins will be forgiven, because all of that will be taken care of, and the wrath of God will be handed out to justly take care of sins, but it's handed out upon Jesus' shoulders and not yours. So You get to receive the grace and the mercy of God instead of the wrath of God. But we need somebody else to do that for us. Thanks be to God for Christ that he has done that for us. And to help the disciples understand that, he said, look, I know exactly what you guys were talking about. You were talking about how to take charge, how to lead, how to make sure everything gets taken care of. And you thought you had it all figured out and in your own hands, but I want to show you something here. You're figuring out who's the greatest? And he brings a child in. Why a child? We have a different view of a child now than we did, than they did at that time. We absolutely love and lift up our children. We do everything for them, absolutely. Take care of them, nurture them, raise them up, and they are an absolute joy and blessing. In that day and age, it wasn't always thought the same way. I mean, for most of the culture, and the Jewish culture was a little different with it, but most of the cultures that were around, the idea of a child was that they're unproductive, they only take and They cause more hindrances than anything else. If we're low on food, that's another mouth to feed. If we're trying to get work done, they're not strong enough. If we're trying to uh, teach things, they're not knowledgeable enough. And so until they were a productive member of society, they were actually kind of looked at as a hindrance and needy. And they couldn't give anything. And so when Jesus brings his child into the midst of the disciples, and disciples are going, why would you bring that kid here? And Jesus says, because right here, you all want to know who's the greatest? This one. This one's the greatest. And you can imagine their minds starting to wander a little bit. Is he a genius? Does he have some super strength that most kids don't have? How is he the greatest? What makes him the greatest? But they knew it's because he was the neediest. It was the one who was most in need. It was the one they needed the most taking care of. It was the one who could not do anything on their own, by their own will, in their own understanding, or any which way. They couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't do anything 
to take care of themselves. And Jesus says, that one, that one's the greatest. That's the one that you need to focus your eyes in on the most to take care of. That's the one that you need to lift up. That's the one you need to hold on to and nurture and bring up in the faith. That's the one that you need to speak my love to. That's the one that you need to share my word with. That's the one. And we start to wonder now if how that plays out in our lives at times. But think about it. Every single one of you is that child. Every single one of you is absolutely needy and dependent upon God to give you what you have each day, to bring you into eternity, to hand you over righteousness that does not come from within yourselves. Every single one of you is absolutely needful of God's grace and of His mercy. And He's brought each and every one of you into His family. He's taken you in in the waters of baptism, poured over Christ's righteousness over you, gives you a name that is His alone so you would carry the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and that you no longer have the identity of a child outside of God's grace, but the identity of a child within God's grace as He has given you everything needful, not just for today and our daily bread, though He does that as well, but everything needful into eternity. Absolutely taken care of without you having to put a hand towards it or anything with it. He's done everything for you, taking care of you. What a beautiful blessing and a gift that God has given us in Christ so that we could wake up each morning knowing that we don't need to worry about when the day would come that we would die, but know that when that day comes, life continues on from it because that life is given by Jesus. And then that knowledge of knowing what God has done for us shapes the way we look at everything else around us. We stop worrying about whether or not we're going to get the last french fry and we just hand it over to somebody. Say, here, this is yours. This is for you. I can tell you're hungry. Why don't you take this? I mean, imagine a guy walking in at a buffet line and standing as the last one in line and as soon as he gets up to the food, someone walks in behind him and he steps out and then goes behind that person. You can just imagine Maybe they would get food. Maybe they wouldn't. But it wouldn't matter so much because he could see that the need of somebody else was greater than his own because he knew that the greatest need that he had taken care of or needed taking care of was taken care of by God. That whether or not Christ comes back before the day we die, it'd be beautiful if he didn't. We didn't have to experience the breakdown of our bodies and all of that sort of stuff. But whether or not Christ came back during that time, the resurrection would still happen. And Christ would still bring us into His presence as He walks in and amongst the creation once again to say, life will continue with me and I've taken care of it for you because I knew you needed it. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for all that You've done for us in Jesus. That in our greatest needs and in our trivial needs, You have fulfilled them all. We pray, Lord, that when we feel needful, that we would fall on our knees before You knowing that you have brought people into our lives, you've brought a whole church family around, and you work in so many ways through your creation to take care of your creation. And through Christ, you have taken care of us forever. We pray, Lord, that you would ground us in that righteousness and grace and mercy that comes from Christ alone, and that you would lead us by your Spirit each day to share that 
word and that love with all those who you bring into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise 